0: You're listening to Hungry Gen Audio Podcast. I want to go ahead and just share with you a talk um, that I'm going to call it How to Be Like David. How to Be Like David. Now, not the David that goes to the gym. Um, (laughs) David in the Bible. And so, David in the Bible. Uh, You may say, well, but I kind of want to be more like Jesus Um, It's good to be like Jesus, but we'll we'll start with David There are a few little cool things that we can learn from David and I'm gonna share only three things with you uh, From David's life that I will believe will be very very impactful Uh, First of all, if you have your Bible, you can open with me to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30 I'm gonna take three points will come from Ephesians and they will also come from the story of David Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30 And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. David in the Bible and if you don't know anything about the Bible you probably have heard about a guy who killed another guy with a stone. No he wasn't stoned he killed him with a stone and so he threw a stone and big Goliath had a stone hit him and Goliath fell and Goliath died. Before this happened David was a shepherd boy. David was running uh, sheep, running with the sheep. And his father sent him to be with the sheep. And this guy named Samuel, he was like the priest, the prophet of the day. He comes in, calls everybody out to anoint them, to put some oil on their forehead, to anoint them to be the kings. And David gets called in later on. And they anoint David. And the Bible says this, And the Spirit of God came upon David from that day on. first thing that I want to share with you and I believe it's the greatest secret of my personal life of the life of our Lord Jesus Christ and every man and woman of God and this is the secret the Holy Spirit is a friend not a force. Many people they do not know who the Holy Spirit is. Many people know God. He sits in heaven looks like Santa Claus. They know Jesus. He looks like the guy in Passion of the Christ, Jim Caviezel. And when I ask you, who is the Holy Spirit? This is where many people will say, if you grew up in the churches where people fall and speak in tongues, you're like, probably something, it's crazy. It's like a crazy uncle you have, you know, that you don't want to be connected to. He goes to those crazy, weird churches. But when they think of the Holy Spirit, many people will say, Holy Spirit is the feelings I get when a good song comes up in the worship team or on Kayla, my favorite song and you get this good sensation and and you, you're cheering like Titanic you know you, you just get these feelings and that's the Holy Spirit. So for many people Holy Spirit has been reduced to a force and when the Holy Spirit in your mind is a force instead of a person you will begin to use him instead of allowing him to use you. See, a force you will try to control, a friend you will try to develop a relationship with. And the greatest revelation that started to happen in my own personal life was about three and a half years ago when I started to understand that the Holy Spirit is not it. He is a person. Now, I grew up in a Pentecostal church. What that means is we were speaking in tongues 300 miles per hour. We believe in manifestation, people prophecy and I mean and the miracles and everything. And when I heard of the Holy Spirit, it was always had to do with power instead of a person. And I remember the time when this this kind of a aha moment came to me that Holy Spirit is a person. I was upstairs in the office. I remember even the song that was playing. I was pacing back and forth and this realization just hit me because I just heard a message about it. It just hit me that listen this Holy Spirit is a person just like you are, just like Jesus was, just like your wife is. He has a soul. He has feelings. He has emotions. He wants to talk to you. He wants you to talk to Him. You can have a relationship with Him and the verse we just read it says He is sealed inside of you, camera crew I'm sorry, sealed inside of you. You know what happened? You're the envelope. When you get saved your heart is open, the Holy Spirit goes inside and then God does this, until you get to heaven. You got a friend stuck inside of you. Literally stuck. I feel bad for the Holy Spirit. Because I know me. I don't know you but I know me. If the stuff He has to put up in me and He can't leave me. He's sealed. The Bible says till the day of redemption which is always speaks of the day we go to heaven. You have a friend inside who created the world, who created the universe, he lives inside of you. It's almost like you you have a friend, you go into Seattle and you have a person sitting beside you in in the driver's seat, in the next seat and for three hours and you know let's say that this is a fascinating friend and you're not talking for three hours. Okay fine, not three hours. But imagine you've been doing like this for 30 years. And that's exactly how many people live with the Holy Spirit. They literally don't even know who lives inside of them. You know what Jesus said? Jesus says, when I leave it will be better for you than if I will stay. Now I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't believe in that. Come on. Hanging out with Jesus? Nothing is better than that. Imagine having Jesus in the church going to Jerusalem. Jesus killing miracles. Me, I mean, this is incredible and Jesus says listen It will be better if I leave because then the Holy Spirit will come and this is what Jesus says It's better for you with the Holy Spirit than with me Now it, either Jesus was bluffing or he was saying real stuff. I believe Jesus wasn't lying It's better for you with the Holy Spirit than it would have been for disciples to be with Jesus the question is, has it been better for you? Has your life gotten better because you know the Holy Spirit? Practically. Four things you can do to get to know the Holy Spirit better. Number one, recognize He is a person. So recognize Holy Spirit as a person. I have people who do this, they just begin to imagine. Use your imagination. Imagine He's with you in the room. Don't imagine yourself as an envelope. But imagine He's with you in the room. Imagine when you're driving by yourself. Imagine when you are waking up in the morning. Imagine He is near you. Right before the service, I took a nap. First thing when I woke up, I said, Holy Spirit, we're going to have a fabulous service. Holy Spirit, that was a great nap. My wife wasn't even there, she just came in after that. He is, to me he is a person and I talk to him throughout the day. And this is not just in my own head. He is a real person and because I recognize him as a person, my relationship with him grows. Number two is, it's very simple, talk to him. We pray to God the Father in the name of Jesus by the Holy Spirit. But Bible says we can talk to the Holy Spirit just talk to the Holy Spirit and people say well uh, do I need to pick up one of those books from the Catholic church you know how to pray to virgin Mary you don't have to use fancy words very simple words the way you speak to your father the way you speak to your mother the way you speak to your best friend that the same language Holy Spirit doesn't like when you start using religious imagine you're dating or you are married and you come you're like hey thou is the goddess of the underworld I loveth thee she'd be like what are you talking about what are you smoking She's not gonna like that. You can't use, do not use the language with Holy Spirit because this is Holy Spirit. Looks at you, he sees to your friend. You're like, hey, what's up? How's going? What's going on? And then you switch to the Holy Spirit. You switch it to this like, this this priest. You become a pope. You become this uh, this nun. And he's like, come on, relax. I'm not religious. Holy Spirit, and I'm gonna shock you. Is not Christian. He's God. Holy Spirit is not religious. Religious is we. Holy Spirit is above that. That doesn't mean that we come to Holy Spirit, hey what's up yo. Relax. (laughs) You know you won't say that to your boss. You know you you have a certain reverence, a certain respect. You have a certain honor for the Holy Spirit but do not use religious language. Address Him as a person and address Him regularly. Address Him daily and this is what's going to begin to happen. Number three is that you are begin to sense Him speaking to you leading you and if you act on that, it's called promptings. It's an inside you will begin to feel this leading of the Holy Spirit guiding you. If you're gonna begin to follow that, sometimes it will start small things like for example you were cheating on your test and then you kind of uh, next day you kind of talk to the Holy Spirit. You're like man Holy Spirit loves me. This is great. You go to school and then you feel this sickening feeling that you need to tell your teacher. You've been cheating like I rebuke the devil in Jesus mighty name <laughs> then you get in the class and then that that feeling gets worse you're like I'm not going to the class today because this stuff is just not good but then this is what happens when you go and do what you feel what is right inside of you you begin to notice your relationship with Holy Spirit will go to another level if you don't do it and you say no 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 I'm not gonna that's not no no no, I'm not going to do that. And I've done that myself. And this is what happens. You begin to silence that. And then tomorrow when you're going to say, God speak to me. Should I marry her, him or them? Who should I marry? And God will speak to you. The problem is that He will use exactly the same channel which you have trained yourself to ignore. What do you think God's just going to take a microphone you've been ignoring you put you put him on mute and then out of nowhere he's just going to like violate your privacy and go listen 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 he's not going to do that he's going to speak the same way he's been speaking to you in the ways you don't like to hear about and then the problem is God continues to speak but we just have him on mute it is the very powerful thing. When you begin to obey the promptings. Now, I'm not saying every crazy idea that comes into your head, you have to do it. Because you may end up without shoes and you may end up homeless with a poster by Walmart, help me get home. I'm not saying that. But I cannot tell you how many people that I have spoken to. And when I started to share this, when young kids who would steal stuff from the stores and then after the message, they would feel this, man, I need to go back to the store and apologize. would go back and God will start changing their life. How many people I know that would steal from their parents and during the service just a thought comes to my mind, man that is not right. I need to go tell my mom that I stole a hundred bucks and put the money back and then something and they don't realize this is not just them. This is the Holy Spirit speaking to them. I mean I had moments where me and my wife driving to Fred Meyer and both of us at that moment get a thought. We should give the vehicle we're driving $10,000 $10,000 vehicle away tomorrow and we don't have another vehicle. But because we already practiced that before in other areas we came home and, and I don't want to say it to her because you know I don't want to lose the vehicle and then she doesn't want to say it to me and the moment both of us mentioned both of us say, saying hey, you know this is both of us feel led. God didn't whisper from heaven both of us feel led and when you do it you begin to experience the miracles of God. And you may judge me today by the vehicle I came on today but you do not know how far of obedience, of walking with the Lord that it took me to get there. Amen and so I just want to encourage each one of you do not ignore the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it'll be simple things, sometimes it'll be great things. The simpler it is, the harder it is to obey and the last one is create opportunities for Him to use you create opportunities for the Holy Spirit to use you. What are this? What is this? If you are never stepping out of your comfort zone, if you've never once prayed for a sick person, I'm going to tell you one thing. You will never see healings. If you never once invited somebody to church, you will never see actually a miracle of somebody, somebody's life being changed. If you never once step out and take a risk, will never see a miracle and you will have this precious holy spirit you have a precious relationship but your life will be empty your life will not be filled with miracles the best thing to do is let holy holy spirit you don't have to defend the holy spirit holy spirit is like a lion open the cage means open your mouth when you see a sick person pray for the sick person you say what if nothing happens it's not you who's going to heal people. It's going to be the Holy Spirit. When you allow the Holy Spirit to move through you, miracles will happen. When you never step out and you only wait for the Holy Spirit to like signal you, you will just wait too long. I heard a story today that really, really uh, fascinated me and touched me. A, a man in, a, um, in Israel, he was milking a cow. There was, this was a while ago. Milking a cow, was walking back from the, from the barn and slipped on the concrete fell on a concrete just hit hard his back and his back just started hurting so bad the emergency uh, the ambulance came in they took him to the hospital and they found out that he just literally messed up his back they started to do a surgery on him and in the process of the surgery they severed and damaged a bundle of nerves now the problem with nerves unlike muscles if you break muscles they become bigger if you rip nerves it's over most of the nerves, you can't put them back together. It's, that's it. And so he comes back from the surgery. He went into the surgery having a back problem, comes back from the surgery and he can't feel from his waist down. And the doctors say, we are really sorry. While operating you, we damaged your nerves. And not only we damaged the nerves that control your mobility, we also affected few nerves that control your brain. And there is a chance that not only you're going to be paralyzed for the rest of your life, you actually can go crazy mentally. He said, I wanted to kill every one of those doctors, but I couldn't move. (laughs) I said, he said, I was mad as hell. He didn't believe in God. He says, I was so mad from that point on. Imagine not being able to feel your legs. Literally, he said, my wife would put needles and I wouldn't feel nothing. had to wear a particular thing to urinate because he couldn't feel when he should urinate or not. Completely gone. Seven and a half years on a wheelchair. Seven and a half years. He says, my wife walked into the house. I barked at her. I hated life. I hated God. I hated everybody. I slept. He slept. He took medicine to fall asleep more. He slept more and more. Just watched TV, slept, watched TV and slept. And one day he was flipping through the channels. looking for something else to watch during the day because there's not much fun shows to watch during the day. He stumbled on this thing called 700 club. He thought it was some kind of a club you know so he was waiting to see the party and the girls and everything because everybody was gone from his house and there he was watching a woman who had a breast tumor and she was healed physically and there was doctor's report. He's like man that's a bunch of balonies. He, He didn't believe in God and so bunch of balonies but next day he still watched that. Next day he watched it again He watched it again and he watched it like that for about a year. Non-believer, not even a believer in Jewish God. He doesn't believe in anything. Watched it and then about after a year he felt so convicted that he prayed a sinner's prayer and gave his life to the Lord. It was on Monday. He gave his life to the Lord again on Tuesday. He gave his life again to the Lord on Wednesday. He gave his life to the Lord every day for a whole year. He's like just in case. The one before wasn't sincere. He tells his wife about it and she comes in, and she's like, you know what, honey? Whatever makes you feel better. You believe in Jesus? Whatever, as long as you're feeling better, because I see you're less cranky, you're less mad and everything. And so now this paralyzed man has found Jesus, keeps finding Jesus every day, sitting on his wheelchair, watching testimonies. And one fateful day, seven and a half years of his paralysis, a lady on the same television show, says into the screen, there is a man, you are paralyzed and right now God is healing you. He says, well that could be me. He says, Lord I receive and he already learned how to do the whole thing. I prayed, he prayed, felt nothing. So he quickly switched his prayer and said it's probably for someone else. So he says, Father I just pray with them for whoever it is this healing is for because it's not for me. Goes back to sleep in the morning as his tradition was he would move his body, move his legs and then drag certain devices on his leg and then his wife would help him to lift him on the wheelchair. As he moved his body in the morning and his foot who had no, no ability and no sensitivity, it slammed the floor because he didn't treat it with respect no more, It was just dead. It slammed the floor as his, the sole of his foot hit the floor in seven and a half years he felt something, he thought he was sleeping so he hit the second foot on the floor, he felt something on the second one so he quickly woke up his wife, he's still thinking he's sleeping, he woke up his wife, he says come over here, he says you need to check so his wife asked him close your eyes, she took a needle, pow the needle inside of his foot, he said oh she says well I know you're hurting tell me where then I'll know you are genuinely healed and she poked him more, they quickly take him to the doctor. The neuro, the, the people who work with nerves in the whole South Africa. All of the top doctors in South Africa gathered together to examine him and they said this is a medicine miracle. Miracle of a medical advance. He said listen. He said you guys made me paralyzed. What kind of a miracle? He says you guys are responsible for my paralysis and you're taking credit for this? He said, it wasn't you guys that healed me. I respect you, but you made me paralyzed. He said, it was Jesus who made me healed. This man who testified was about 60 years of age now. (laughs) Completely healed. Opportunity for the Holy Spirit to do the impossible. Imagine that. A woman on the TV. A woman on the TV. Giving a simple word of knowledge. And made man seven and a half years paralyzed come out of the paralysis. God can use you. God can use me. Can somebody say amen. I've seen many miracles already. When we pray for people on the live stream. People from Spokane, California, in Tri-Cities and other places who would get healed through just watching television. We would see that in our services. But if I would never open my mouth. If I would never pray for the sick. God wouldn't heal them. You have to give Holy Spirit room to do something in your life. Can somebody say amen? And David was, he had a relationship with Holy Spirit. The second thing is David had a great relationship with his parents. And this is what I want you to remember is that obedience is action. Honor is attitude. David had an awesome relationship with his family. Actually his father did not treat David properly. Because when all of the people were gathered to be chosen who's going to be the next king, David wasn't included in the meeting. Now imagine for a moment your favorite person comes into the house from your country or from you know somebody that the whole family respects maybe some great preacher or some great politician or a millionaire I don't know who you respect and so who would come in into your house and your dad literally has everybody come from different states you guys need to gather we're gonna have this awesome meeting and so everybody gathers together and guess who they don't invite David Some historians say the reason why David wasn't included is because his daddy had an affair and David was a product of an affair. I don't know whether that's true or not but I'm going to tell you one thing that if I wouldn't be included in that kind of a meeting it would be very hard for me to honor my dad and my mom. But David still honored them. They didn't treat him right. And there he comes smelling like a sheep late to the meeting because Samuel asked him, not because his dad wanted him to be there and Samuel anoints him and you will think finally people will get the point, I am anointed. Dad will ask me, hey son, you're promoted from being with the sheep, you can be in the house, I'll prepare you to be a king. You know what his dad tells him? He says, well this whole thing was good, go back to the sheep. How offensive, how hurtful that is. His dad didn't see in him a king and then the brothers went to war and the father calls him in. He says, come over here David. You're gonna go and you're not gonna go and watch how to be a king. You're gonna go bring cheese. You're gonna go and bless your brothers and bless other people and David runs errands. David wasn't going to kill a Goliath. He was going to bring cheese to a general and to his brothers. And there he found his greatest battle which promoted him and made him to be the man we all celebrate and honor today. To be a mighty warrior. It's interesting. David never went to university to find his destiny. David just ran errands for his parents and destiny found him. I'm going to tell you one thing from my experience and from the Bible. Is this. If you do not honor your father and your mother... You will never, and I say never, reach your destiny. You might become famous for doing stupid. You might become even rich temporarily. You might even reach few of your goals. but your destiny, you will never reach. Never. Bible says clearly in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for it is right. So, why do we obey? Can I hear louder? That means you obey so they don't kick you out of the house. That's all. You don't obey them so you get brownie points with God. You don't obey so God blesses you. You obey so they don't kick you out. And he says, and then he says this honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Now, this is not a commandment that was first. It's the only commandment in the Bible that has a promise attached to it. And what is the promise? That it may be well with you. Somebody say well. Well. So it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. See it's really bad if you live long and it's not well with you. But if it's well with you it's really bad if you don't live long. Because it's so good you're like man can I just have 20 more years and God says if you want the two things everyone always fishes for. I want it to be well with me and I want it to be very long. God says I give you a secret. And the secret is not PhD. The secret is not biceps triceps. The secret is not owning a successful business. The secret is not even being a religious. The secret is not even that you are you know Republican, Democrat or whatever. Your secret is one. Honor your father and your mother. It's interesting God did not say make sure you have a good father and your mother God didn't say I'll bless you if your dad and mom treated you well. He says it doesn't matter how they treat you. What I'm going to look at is how you treat them. If they ignore you, belittle you, God forbid, abuse you, verbally humiliate you, maybe abandon you and don't want to do anything to do with you. And you have every right to be resentful, hateful and rebellious. God says I'm not looking at what they did to you. I'm looking at how you respond. And based on that I will determine how long you're going to live and how you're going to live. Forget your four-year college. That's not going to determine how long you're going to live and that's not going to determine how you're going to live. How you treat your father and your mother will determine how much money you're going to make, how great of a marriage you're going to have, how long you're going to live on this earth and the quality of your life on this earth. And every teenager will not say amen. Amen? Amen, 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 amen. I know you are so excited to come here today. It's like, God, speak to me, Father. Remind me. Now what is the difference between honor and obedience? I want you to look at the point number two again. Is that obedience is right, honor is rewarded. But obedience is action. Honor is attitude. Obedience. So obedience is right. You don't get rewarded for obedience. You get rewarded for honor. The difference between honor and obedience is this. Obedience is when you do what you're told. Honor is when you do it with a good attitude. Sometimes they'll ask you something that is actually not right and you will say, you know what? I'm sorry, but I can't do that. But if you do it with a good attitude, you honor. Honor will qualify you for a blessing. Even our Lord Jesus Christ at the age of 12, he found his destiny. He went to the priest, start talking theology, start talking about things of God and everything. Mama comes to him and says, listen, come over here. You little Jesus, who you think you are? I'm a messiah. <laughs> messiah? You're going to clean the house. Okay. Messiah, who was supposed to save the world, went cleaning a house for the next 18 years. And at the age of 30, he now started to obey his heavenly father. Yet, when he was dying on the cross, this is where Catholics got it really good, guess whose main concern for Jesus was? not Peter, whether Peter is going to preach the good messages. His main concern on the cross, imagine nails stuck in your feet, nails stuck on your wrist, not in the palms because your palms will rip and you fall. On your wrists it will hold you. You got thorns going into your skull and your only concern is that where is my mama going to live? He's arranging housing for his mama. And you walk around over there disrespecting your parents and think that you have a reason to do that. And you know that his mama thought he was crazy? He still honored her. That's why God raised him from the dead. Don't tell me you obey Heavenly Father if you disrespect your earthly father. Some of you, the most spiritual thing you can do this week is to apologize to your parents and clean up that crazy room that you got. <laughs> and instead of calling him, yo, you, yes sir, no sir, yes sir, no sir. And you respect him, you will see God will bless you. Come on somebody, I see parents getting happy in here. I'm going to share, share with you, I had, a, I had an occasion once, I, I, I don't think I've ever shared this in when my dad was here always shared it outside, but it's worth to share it in front of my dad because I'm going to probably share the story in its truest colors. Um, When I was younger and um, when I was a youth pastor, um, we had our services on on Thursdays. And my problem was that I don't have a huge uh, taste in clothes and and a lot of other things. And so I have my beautiful wife. She chooses clothes and, and does a lot of other things for me. And so, but before that, I would wear things that were comfortable. And I didn't care about how they looked and if they matched. Matching for me was the last thing that I cared about. As long as it was clothes and they were on me, not somewhere else. And that they felt good. I had these pants. They were sweatpants. They were like the workout pants. They were three my size. So they were very big. I felt like T.J. Jakes and they walked They were like behind me because they were so big. But they were so comfortable. And these pants were anointed. I knew they were anointed because I prayed in them and God touched me many times in them. And I loved to wear them to church for prayer. And once in a while, I would wear them to church on the youth service. What I would preach is this blue big pants. And so um, and my family, you know, my dad has this tradition and they had a tradition that you kind of dress up for church or at least don't wear sport pants to church. That's what he would teach me because I was a youth pastor. So I remember I, this Tuesday, Toyota Corolla, the Toyota Camry, year 2000, I go into my car, got my Bible, this big blue pants, they were anointed. I was ready for action in those pants. And there I walk out of my house and my dad looks at me and he says, where are you going? And I said, dad, with the Bible to church. I'm a youth pastor. Didn't you, for, you know, forget? It's Thursday night. He said, not in those pants. And I said, oh yeah, in those pants. And there I went. Went to my car and I'm sitting in my car and I'm thinking, where will my dad snap out from this religious traditional thinking? And when is he going to learn that the Bible says God looks at the heart, not at the clothes?" I'm just frustrated with my dad as I'm about to start the car. I feel this still small voice inside of my heart. It's very very quiet. Change the pants and I said I rebuke this in Jesus mighty name. This is not God speaking because it is says in first Samuel and I'm already quoting the, the verses to, to, to the whatever I hear this here and I hear this still small response back. It also says honor your father and your mother. And there's 17-year-old, you know, anointed man of God sitting in the car debating. And I remember and I said, Father, I would love to go change my pants if you would give my dad diarrhea. (laughs) I'm going to explain why. Because it will kill me to walk into the house, seeing my dad on the couch, who is not going to embrace me like a prodigal son. And say, I know, son, how much it takes for you to change your pants. Who's going to give me that? You know that that not... It's about time you guys learn the rules in this house. It's about time you do what I said. And that alone was enough for me was equivalent to going to China and suffering for the cause of Jesus. And I remember I said, Lord if you just caused my dad not to be in the living room so I quickly sneak out, change my pants, I get out so he doesn't have the pleasure of dominating over me. And no, God did not answer my prayer. I got into the house, my dad did not embrace me. He didn't run to me and welcome me. He, he gave me, he didn't say anything. He just gave me that look that's worth a million words. Kind of like, it's about time that you do that. Right, that's right, that's right. Uh-huh. I'm the authority, I'm the head. And I remember like a lamb led to the slaughter. I walked upstairs, changed my pants and uh, I died a million deaths. Changing stupid pants. Sometimes it's not when your parents ask you to do something difficult. It's when your pride will have to die. I'm going to tell you something. If you're a young person, if you don't learn to kill your pride with your parents, it will be very hard to do it with your spouse. Your spouse relationship will suffer because of the pride you don't break in your relationship with your parents. If you're a woman and you have a snotty, just this rebellious, I'm going to do what I want. This, this little thing, you will little diva, you, you, you have your woman rights already, you're empowered because you watch too much opera. You walk around and you have that. I'm going to give you a prophetic word. You'll never have a man in your life. You'll always be alone. And if you're a young man and you don't respect your mother and you don't respect your father, you will not have a blessing in your life. And I want to challenge each one of you right now here in this place God's blessing doesn't just depend on how many hours you pray on how you honor your father and your mother how you you may say but they're not believers they don't ask they don't want me to go to this church that doesn't stop you from vacuuming their car cleaning up your room picking up your dirty clothes Cleaning out the yard and saying, yes sir, no sir. Buying her a chocolate, buying her a gift and respecting and honoring her in 99% of other areas that do not involve the church. You got to stop giving an excuse to yourself for dishonoring your father and your mother. When you do that, many of your parents will come to know the Lord if you will come to honor them. Come on somebody. Amen. Let's put our hands together for Jesus. So I just pray for that um, that God will give you the grace and the last thing and we're going to finish this really quickly is that David had to kill the lion, the bear and the Goliath. Lion, bear and the Goliath. This speaks of defeating three enemies that you have. Flesh, world and the devil. Flesh, world and the devil. Flesh is the thing that you have inside that wants to do bad. The way you overcome flesh is you feed your spirit, you feed your soul. The way you overcome flesh is you feed your soul. Means you feed your stuff with good stuff. That is how you overcome the flesh. Number two, the way you overcome the world is you flee the temptations. Flee temptations meaning you put yourself out from the situations and places and um, occurrences where you're going to be tempted. You know, if you walk in in the mall and Victoria, who has no secrets, looks at you, turn your head around. Especially if you're walking with a girl. Why? Because you're going to get a slap and stuff and then she's going to leave you alone. If you are walking, if you realize your friends are hanging out together and they're going to have alcohol there and you know and you're walking away from alcohol, you're walking away from that lifestyle as awesome as your friends are until you start leaving that life, until you start leaving those places, walking away from temptations, you are not going to overcome that sin you don't overcome temptations but you don't overcome the world by simply going into places where you get tempted by and simply say, well I'm going to bring my Bible and preach to them about Jesus. You're going to come with your Bible and walk out drunk. You're going to walk in there with I'm going to bring them to church and walk out high because there are places you and I are weak to go to witness in those places there are places online where some of us some of us that if we even come near to those sites next thing that happens we will sleep and fall and the goal is not i'm just gonna you know pray in the spirit pray in the spirit no no i'm gonna walk away my power is to walk away god doesn't anoint me to fight god anoints me to run and see, God anoints me to fight the devil but God anoints me to run from the world. See Joseph, when he, when Potiphar's wife was tempting Joseph and she started to flirt with him and the Bible says she did it continuously. Joseph did not go over to her and say, hey woman, can I pray for you right now? He didn't go lay hands on her. He didn't go try to witness to her because they would both go to hell. Joseph, the Bible says, he ran from her. See God anoints you only when you choose to run from temptations instead of fight temptations. Uh, A lot of times young men would come and they say things like, Pastor Vlad, pray for me Why I'm fighting with lust. And I said, that is your problem. He said, what do you mean? You're fighting with lust. I said, nowhere in the Bible God says to fight with lust. God says, run from lust. I said, why are you fighting something God called you to run from? Lust? You can't beat lust. That's why God says run. You can beat the devil. That's why God says fight him. But lust it's temptations. God says run. It means if that stuff pulls you down don't try to get stronger to overcome it. Leave that. Delete that number. Well he keeps texting. Change your number. Get a restraining order. Don't walk in that area. Change that. Delete them. Walk away from those things. Turn off the internet. Jesus without internet changed the world. You'll do just fine in next few months. you keep slipping into the stuff on Snapchat, well if you turn off your Snapchat you will find out your high blood pressure will be just fine. If you will not have that social media you will be just fine but the Bible says it's better to go into heaven with one leg instead of you know going into hell, living in hell with your Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter and every other social media but having no peace. Run from temptations. And how do, we overcome, how do we overcome the devil is we actually have to fight the demons. We have to fight. You don't overcome the devil by running from the devil. See temptations, you run from them. The devil, you cannot run from the devil. The devil has to run from you. Listen, if you run from sin, you will have no fear to run from the devil. You will look at the devil and you will not be afraid of him. Why? Because you've been running from sin and now you have no fear of the devil. I remember when I was a uh, a lot younger person and the first time that I had to face demons alone in my car is when we were praying for one person and I think it was Thursday night. He was manifesting, manifesting, demons were manifesting through him. It was a a, a bigger guy and uh, we prayed for him. He got free but he didn't get free completely. That means there were some demons left and so I had to drive him back home. There was only one problem. He lived about 25 minutes from here into like parts of Pasco over there, off of road 68 where you go in, there is no more lights there. There's no reception there and it's dark. So here is like 19, I am about, think it's about 19 years of age or 19 to 20 years of age and driving my dad's Toyota Corolla. This guy is twice my size. Demons, all the demons didn't leave. He's driving, we're driving there and as we are driving closer to his house, he begins to kill himself right there in my car. He begins to choke himself. So there I am, I'm already scared, the guy's killing himself and I'm like, how am I going to explain? In my mind I'm thinking, okay, if he's going to kill himself, how am I going to explain to his parents that I didn't do it? (laughs) I mean imagine, a Russian guy brings your child, he's like, really? I'm a youth pastor, uh that's what all the MS says, you know MS 13 says, they're all youth pastors, really? I mean how am I going to explain, I'm sitting there and I'm like and there is no deception, I can't call police, I can't call my pastor. The guy, the demon took over and he begins to take, I think he took a pencil or something and he's trying to choke himself and trying to stab himself and there I am literally faced with the devil in the car and no one to call. And I had to do what I was told to do, with one hand hold the wheel. With another hand hold hold his hand his hands were twice as powerful as mine and literally it wasn't the power of my hands but it was the power of the word i couldn't run from him i couldn't fight him and i remember putting my hand over his hands and i started to command the spirit of death i was scared there was no lights the, like not seeing lights on the streets kind of spooks me i was spooked and i remember simply saying scared to death but saying you demon you're not going to kill him. You're going to leave. He will subside. Next morning I had to go pick him up again. Bring him to morning prayer and drive him to school. I'm not exaggerating one part of the story. We would pray here in the morning and I don't see him for like 30 seconds. I run up and I see behind the pew, under the pew, he starts to kill himself because the demon would come on and try to kill him. And right there, nobody here and by myself, a guy twice my size. I had to learn that that day No matter how big that person is, no matter how fierce the demon is, and no matter how skinny I am, small I am, inexperienced I am, demons will be subject to you. But you have to know one thing, you can't run from them. The moment the devil sees that you're running, you're already defeated. Even if you're scared, stand your ground. Every hair on your back is picked up already and you're shaking. Stand your ground and don't let the devil see that you're afraid. Be afraid just inside of you. Let the devil see that you're a little snotty but you know what you're doing. Like David, 15 year old coming against Goliath. says, I know who I am and I'm going to take you down. Birds will eat you for lunch and I'm going to destroy your whole army think David felt that? David was scared just like you were. But see when you have God living in you, you know you can't run from those devils. If some nightmares are tormenting you, you can't just escape from that. Get up and face them. And face them. If you're hearing voices, well it's about time devil starts hearing your voice. If you hear nightmares, if you have attacks of the demons or stuff moving in your house, you get up, don't turn on the light. You're the light. Tell the devil, I am your light. Stop moving my chair. You're not paying rent, I am. When you stop paying rent, then move the chair. Move your own chair. Yeah. I'm not making this up. That's exactly what you have to tell the devil. If he wants to move the chair, he can go to hell and move all the chairs he wants to. But this is your apartment, this is your house and he has no right to be there. Come on somebody. Amen. And so I want to challenge each one of you young person. Do not simply say, well I am not a priest, I am not a pastor, I don't have this and everything. Listen, that doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit is in you and the Holy Spirit will use you. If David could do it as a teenager, you're 20 years old, you're 25 years old, you're 15 years of age. That is enough. You have to overcome the devil. The Bible says, stand your ground, he will run. Stop running from the devil. Start running from sin. Most of us run into sin and run from the devil. The devil is a liar. That shouldn't be like that. Run from porn. Run from masturbation. Run from drugs. Run from alcohol. But stop running from demons. Let demons run when they see you walk into the room. Let them shake. Let them start hearing voices. Because every time you praise demons are like, Ah! Ah! Voices, voices, voices. You've been letting the devil speak to you too much. And he silenced you. That's why during worship don't just stand there, zip your lip, muzzle your mouth and no, give devil a headache. Give him a nightmare at least for once. Let him shake, shiver and, and be depressed. Especially when you don't feel like worshipping. Especially when it's a drama and hell breaking loose with your parents at home and you're coming here and you're like man I'm just broken and shattered and this is why demons just sit on you, sit on you. You get depressed, more depressed, more depressed and more suicidal. But you just, you just shake them up. you begin to praise, you begin to worship and the devil starts leaving saying you know what these people are crazy. Their voices, I hear voices in my head. I'm not making this up. The Bible says God will silence the enemy through your praise. It means he starts hearing voices and he will leave. Tonight is a special service. I want us to pray for people who are struggling. I want us to pray for people today who maybe lost so many battles, they give up. And we're going to pray for people who are sick today. Especially those of you who don't believe in this. You're like, this is, I don't believe in this. Especially you. God loves you so much. And He wants to heal you. And we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you. But I'm going to ask you to do something for me. It's it's Wednesday night. And I know that there's a school tomorrow. But I'm going to ask you to come to the front and grab your name with you grab your neighbor with you. Don't come alone. I want every single person from the back to the front. To Thanks for listening to this week's message from Hungry Generation. Stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat by using at HungryGen. Stay blessed and we'll see you next week.